Good morning. You know, uh, earlier this week, we were out, my family and I, just for, it was so, such nice weather in the evenings this week, and so we were going for a drive, and I rediscovered this old church at this park. I probably had not been to this park. It's outside of Oxford, probably since I was like 10 years old. And there's this old pioneer church there, and I'm reading the signs. You know, there's, there's these plaques everywhere that talked about this church being found in 1810, as a group of settlers uh, with dreams of westward expansion, um, just ended up coming into Butler County, Ohio. It was just newly just become a state, and they just settled here. And they had these dreams, as we can imagine, of um, of building a place for themselves. And what's really interesting is this church was originally log, but in the 1820s was rebuilt in the brick that is still standing today. And these uh, Americans had this dream uh, of finding this home for themselves, of building this life where they uh, didn't have any bosses, where they were their own bosses, where they had control of their land and they could harvest from the land themselves. They kind of had their own little kingdoms kind of carved out on the American frontier. And as I'm reading this, the story about this church, it grew in the 1830s to be a church of 150 people, which was quite a large church. And I imagine these people had meetings and they had dreams of, in this little portion of Butler County, expanding God's kingdom to their neighbors. We're in this series that we've just been calling Yours is the Kingdom where we've been looking at this model prayer that Matthew records for us. Jesus offered this, this model for us in Matthew chapter 6. And this is a widely known prayer. Not, not all of us are familiar with it, but many of us are. And Matthew tells us this pivotal teaching moment, and it starts in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus sits down and begins to challenge his hearers. Okay, in all things related to faith, Jesus begins to speak to people's motives, to our motives, to our desires, to our hearts, because what lies there is truly what manifests itself as faith. And so when Jesus teaches us how to pray, when he says, and when you pray, pray like this, he's talking about you and I connecting to our heavenly father Right, talking to God, speaking to our Heavenly Father, and what He says after that has to be then more than just a series of lines that we repeat or memorize. Because it's something that as we pray and connect to God, connects us deeply to the heart of our Heavenly Dad. And as we pray, as we connect to God, it connects us more deeply to him and more intimately with our Father. And so in this season that we find ourselves in, I think this is just like so exciting to be talking about this right now because, because we're in this season of, of hurt. It, it, it's a messed up season that we're in right now. Our culture is in chaos and people are hurting. We're, we're angry. We're divided. We're fear-filled. There has to be a moment, I think, where the people of God pause and say, what's going on and what are we to do about it? Because we want a version of life that our Father promises us, and we want it for our neighbors too. 
A version of life that Jesus says is the most abundant, fullest life possible that God has for us. So I think it's a possibility then that the people of God need to take pause in this season and learn or relearn how to pray and how to connect to our Father. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, as Kevin was just talking about there on the intro. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, if you don't, um, you know, bring that up on your phone, um, if you've got that handy. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 9 at the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's really the line that we're going to camp out on today. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the the idea that I'm going to toss out to you here today. And it's really simple. God's stuff is better and more fulfilling than my stuff. All right? Simply put, God's stuff is better and more fulfilling than my stuff. So let's look at it this way. The Jewish people had this promise from God. Okay, now it dates back all the way into the Old Testament. So, uh, you know, a couple thousand years before Jesus was born, the Jewish people had been praying for the day where God would um, deliver on all of his promises, that he would rescue them from their sins, that he would rescue them from their oppressors, that he would bring the Messiah and usher in this new kingdom, this new way of life for the Jewish people to enjoy the fullest, most abundant life God had promised. They'd been praying and waiting for centuries. Look what Daniel says, the prophet Daniel, in the Old Testament, chapter 9, he says this to God. He says, give ear our God and hear. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. See, the Jewish people saw God's deliverance as something that was coming in the far future. All right. It was a promise for generations. And so for generations, this promise of God's deliverance and this, this new way of life and this new kingdom was just woven into the fabric of their family, of their faith, of their conversation. And it was a, a it was this fabric of just waiting, waiting for God to do what he said he was going to do. Okay. Um, now, my daughter is 11 years old, and she's so funny when we're getting ready for vacation to leave for, for a trip, because she'll come to us about two weeks, my wife and I, she'll come to, to Denise and I, and about two weeks before we leave, she wants a packing list. And God bless her, because my boys, I tell you, anyway, it's a whole different story, but, but she comes with a packing list, and she's like, I want to know where we're going, how long we're going to be gone, what's the temperature going to be like, and, she, and then she'll go up to her room, I'm kidding you, 14 days before we even leave, and she's got things laid out, and she's putting it into a bag. And I'm like, sweetie, don't you think you might need some of that stuff in the next two weeks? Nope, it's like, it's in the bag, and she's ready to go. She's so excited, she's counting down the days till we just hop in the van and get on the road. Now, waiting like that is really exciting when you're going on vacation. Waiting for a few hundred years for God to deliver his promise, that's a different kind of waiting altogether. As Jesus begins his public ministry, Matthew in chapter 3 records some of Jesus' first words in his ministry. And I want you to hear what they are in chapter 3, verse 2. Jesus says this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven 
has come near. So Jesus tells people, as he's traveling from town to town, just beginning to, to let people know who he is, he says the kingdom of heaven, and anytime you see the phrase kingdom of heaven in the New Testament, it's interchangeable with kingdom of God. And so you'll see them used interchangeably. It's because they are interchangeable, all right? But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has come near. Jesus' message, one of the, some of the first things out of his mouth was, in essence, the wait is over. The kingdom of heaven is now at hand, it is in process as we speak, Jesus says, of arriving before you. The wait's over. It's here. In another place in Matthew, Jesus actually says that the kingdom of heaven is now right before you, is forcefully advancing on earth. The waiting is over. But the Jewish people, the people who hear Jesus talking like this, Keep in mind the fabric of their family and their faith history. Hundreds of years, centuries of waiting. And so when Jesus says, pray like this, the Jewish people hadn't been praying like that. They're expecting, but they didn't see it when it finally came. They didn't see, they didn't perceive that God had moved into town he was putting down roots, and he was opening up shop, and what was coming later had finally started to arrive. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, and he comes to the sign, may your kingdom come now. May it come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that many of us lack power and beauty in our prayers, because we don't often perceive this either. So Jesus tells us what we need to know in order to pray prayers that are full of like power and life. And so he starts out like this. He says, when you pray, here's the first thing, pray like God's already working on it. Pray as if God is already working on it. Okay, God doesn't need you to convince him to hear from you. God doesn't need you to, to convince him that you're hurting. Right? He doesn't need you to talk him into caring about you. You don't need to try to get his attention some way. You always have your Heavenly Father's undivided attention. Always. Think about that. It's you and I who need convincing. It's you and I are the ones who need convincing that God's kingdom has, has arrived here and now and that it is actively working in and around your life as we speak and for the people that you know, the people that you care about, the people in your city. So that God is actively, I, I want you to think about this, God is actively advancing in Cincinnati right now. We, we're not playing a waiting game anymore. And so when you come to God and you, and, and you pray, as Jesus suggests that you and I do, that, that we pray as if God's already working on it, then when we pray for joy in the midst of despair, we can be sure that God's already in process of bringing you joy. When you pray for peace in the midst of all the unknowns that are coming this fall, you can be sure that your Heavenly Father is already working peace in your life. 
When you pray for courage to act or to speak out against fear, then you can be sure that your Heavenly Father is already giving you the courage and the strength. When, when, when you ask God for belonging and, and, and that flies in the face of the lies of aloneness, you can be sure that your Heavenly Father already is bringing you into a place of belonging. In Matthew chapter 6, in fact, just a little bit after Jesus gives us this model prayer, look what he says in verse 25. Jesus says, That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then look what he says in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Uh, I think the first thing I want to point out to you today, I think this is Jesus saying, when you pray, pray as if God's already working on it. The kingdom has already been advancing in your life. Pray that he's already working on you because he is. Ask him to show up and to teach you and to show you how he already got up early. He already put on his work boots. Like he already left for the office and opened up shop and started working long before your alarm clock even goes off. Like it's now. So here's the second part of that prayer. May your kingdom come. So pray as if God's already been working on it because he is. And then Jesus says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that begs a question. It did for me as I was preparing this message. What is God's will in heaven? If I want what's happening in heaven to be present like on earth now, that's my first question. So what's happening in heaven that's so great that I should want it to be evolving in my life right now? All right, that's a fair question, right? So Jesus gives us this really good idea, I think, of what's going on in heaven Right, with God, all right, right now where there's no presence of sin, there's no presence of corona, there's no presence of racism or, or fear or, or, or aloneness or joblessness or any of that. So, so Jesus gives us this picture of some of what God's will is in heaven, and I think he does that in John chapter 17. All right, because Jesus is praying, in the, and he's praying before the, he, he goes to the cross, and he's praying for God's will. All right, And so when Jesus is praying for God's will to be done, and you, you and I get this picture of, well, that must be what it's like in heaven. All right, And so let's look at a few things to say, if I'm going to ask God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, what's God's will happening in heaven? So what am I praying for? Okay, so let's look at that. Jesus says, when you pray, I, I think Jesus is saying, here's the second thing, pray for God to call the shots. Pray for God to call the shots. Look in John chapter 17, it's verse 2. He says, for Jesus is speaking to God about himself, okay? For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Uh, guys, listen, in heaven, God is in charge. Complete and total authority. And what he wants what he says is true and right is always true and right. What he wants always happens. And Jesus was given that same authority and dominion you know, over us and over our life and over earth. 
So in heaven, God is in charge. And Jesus has authority, that same authority over your life and mine. Now, we are constantly, however, drawn to pray for the things that, what? The things we want. The outcomes that we want. And that's okay. God invites us to pray for the things that you want, for the outcomes that you want, for the needs that you have. He invites you to do that. But I'm telling you, I think what I see in Jesus' prayer, both in Matthew as he gives us this model, and in John as we see him saying, well, here's what's happening in heaven that I want to call into earth, right, is that we're praying for what God wants, that he calls the shots. And we will discover more power. You will discover more power. You and I will discover more power and intimacy in our prayer lives when we ask God to do the things that he wants in our lives. And so as you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray for your marriage, invite God to call the shots in your marriage. What the, invite what he wants for your marriage. Ask for that. All right, what does, what does God want for the future of your children? What does he want for their schooling this fall? What does he want to be a priority in your home and for your family? Okay, you and I have plans, but invite God to, what, to do what he wants to do in the lives of your children to set them up for their future, for the full and abundant life that Jesus promises. What does God want for your relationships, friendships, the people that you're going to date or maybe are your future husband or wife? You have plans, you have a picture of what that looks like, but have you asked God what he wants? What does God want for, for your sex life or for your health? We have plans, but Jesus invites us to ask God for his will that's done in heaven where he has full authority over all that happens, that we would actually invite that to earth and to overflow and outflow from your life and mine. In heaven, God's desires are always realized. And it's really, really good. So pray for that here too. What else is happening in heaven? I think when Jesus says, when you pray, here's the third thing. Pray for truth to flood your life. Guys, in heaven, and you can see this because Jesus is talking about it with God in John chapter 17, all right, God's life-giving truth re just reigns supreme in heaven. I mean, th there is nothing but truth that just oozes out of everything in heaven, right? His truth manifested itself in Jesus, so God's full truth came to, it, to be known in Jesus, and Jesus gave that full truth in God's word, Okay, and so there is this manifestation of the supreme truth that is not just truth as far as, as you know it or you want to define it. I mean the truth manifested itself in Jesus and it manifested itself in God's word. Look in John chapter 17, verse 13. Jesus says, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And then in verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. See, the sin, uh, the promises of sin, which is anti-truth, are so seemingly fulfilling. 
like sexual sin or, 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 or pride and selfishness and the thrills and the pleasures that just come from seeking after self. Like it promises a pretty fulfilling life. And everybody in here knows the promises of that. And we've experienced some of the realities of that. Someone once said this, if your sin doesn't feel good, then you're doing it wrong, All right? And the, and, the, and the point is, it feels good. Like sin seems like the best option. But here's Jesus' point. It's pleasurable at first, but it always leads to the same place. So if I need more of something to continue to discover fulfillment is that truth. Or if I need something else because that doesn't really quite cut it for me anymore, that's not truth. See, if you need more of something because something else has lost its luster and you just kind of need more and more of this, this, this thing over here, then, then church, you're not like having God's truth flood in and out of your heart. And something else is. Truth is only found in God's word. And joy and fulfillment and pleasure and goodness is found here. And God's word gives you power to discover this fullness and this beauty in Jesus. And when we engage our heavenly father, asking for truth as Jesus asks us to, that he will lead you to what is true freely. You don't have to guess, right? You don't have to, he's not holding out on you. You won't be looking for truth anymore from your politics or from social media or from any other venue. You'll just be looking for it from God and you will find it freely. So when Jesus says pray like this, he's saying pray to hear God's word and what is true for your life because when you pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's truth reigns supreme and it's so good. So ask for that truth to flood your life. There's one more thing that I think it's worth mentioning here in John chapter 17 as we see this picture of Jesus paints for us here. There's so many there. I'm just going to mention one more. Um, This picture of God's will being realized on earth. So Jesus is in essence saying, God, you know, be praying. Jesus is asking for God's heaven and truth to collide with earth. And and in Matthew chapter 6, he's he's asking us to do the same. Father, whatever happens in heaven, Father, what may it happen now here on earth? Here's a fourth thing. Pray for love to shine through you. Look in John 17, 22. He says, I have given them glory that you gave me so they may be one as we are one. And you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus reveals something so, so, so exciting about what's going on in heaven right now. I mean, right now, and he's asking it for it to be realized, for it just to collide with your, your and my life right here on earth right now. See, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit share this relationship that is unified in love. The three, the Trinity, the triune God, the one God in, in three personalities shares this intimate, beautiful togetherness, this unity that just like oozes love, that just shines love out. 
And Jesus, because of the cross, imparts that unity and that love on us, on his church. So that what he's asking God for, he said, Father, the same oneness, the same beauty, the same closeness, the same, um, the same togetherness that, that you and I share together, Father, may the church feel and experience that same thing. That unity, that power, that love for one another, so that it will shine out to the world. So the question is, does your conversations with other people about other people or about social issues or about any of these things, does it reflect that level of intimate love? Does the way that you talk about politics in front of your kids, this is a scary, this, this one hits close to home. Does that show that kind of power that shines through love? Does the way that you interact with and serve your brothers and sisters who are watching online right now, who aren't present with us, who are here right now in this room, does the way that you interact with and serve your brothers and sisters, does it reflect that level of unity and togetherness and mission that could only only shine love out into our city. It would be unmistakable. It would not be able to be called anything else. It would be called the love of God by any who saw it. Is that the kind of love that you shine? I think when Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray for God's will to be done in your life as it's happening in heaven, make sure you're constantly looking for what it is that you're actually praying for. Because Jesus says that in heaven, perfect unity and love with the Father exists. And he's brought that down for you and I, not only to experience it now, but to shine through us out into our city. And when you pray, pray for that unifying power through his church to draw other people to God's goodness because that's what's happening in heaven right now, and God knows we need it here. So say this with me, all right? And you can say it in your head, or you can say it out loud. Here we go. God's stuff is better and more fulfilling than my stuff. And pray like you mean it. Like you and I are talking to a God who can speak full abundant good life into your reality right now. So I'm just going to pray uh, this simple prayer for us here this morning. My heavenly dad, who is holy, may your kingdom come and be realized as it advances right now. May your will be done on earth, in me, through me, through White Oak, in Cincinnati. May it happen now, here, even as it takes place in heaven. Amen.